What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Chris Schubert. Just over 24 hours away from the kickoff of the preseason, the Hall of Fame game against the Cleveland Browns tomorrow at 8 p.m., but we're still chugging along with our summer ranking series. We're flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. I just put out the tweet, deepest, most talented group in the entire team, at least in my opinion. We're going to break it all down. Chris, good to have you back. How you doing? What's going on, man? Uh, this is a fun group to talk about. We kind of previewed it uh, in our post show last week, right? When we got done doing the, the rest of the, the offensive players, you and I had a conversation about some of the places where we disagreed. And there are going to be some fun conversations to be had tonight. But yeah, this is the strength of this team entirely. Offense, defense, coaching. This is the strength of this football team. Uh, this group's ability to wreak havoc, uh, to get after the quarterback, to make life difficult. It is going to be the success or failure of the 2023 New York Jets. We've talked a lot about how the offensive line is going to be important. The ability of this defensive line to create pressure on a regular basis is going to be just as important as the health of the offensive line. Yep, Matias says, what's up, guys? Go Jets, absolutely. Uh, yeah, defensive line. I mean, if we've seen anything, at least from the early reports of camp, the defensive line is coming along just nicely, and we expect that. There's going to be a head of the offensive line, but I believe Carl Lawson two days ago had four sacks, so that's just silly. Nobody can touch these guys. Will McDonald has had a sack in like 75% of the practices he's played, even with the injury he suffered to his leg, so... I'm really excited to break it all down. These are deep positions. There's going to be some battles. I think there's a couple guys that it was really hard to put into that red bucket, but I'm going to just flip it right over to you real quick as I pull up my notes. How many guys did you have in the red bucket in the defensive line? We, we can start from the interior. So how many okay. defensive tackles? Three. You're, you want to include the D tackles and the nose tackles? You want to include both spots? Yeah, we could do both spots. Yep. Three, three players got the practice squad tag. For me. Okay. So Marquis Spencer, Isaiah Mack, Tanzel Smart. That would be the three. Those would be yeah. the three. I, yeah. Th- I feel like that's pretty easy. Um, the one I do have a little bit of pushback on is Tanzel Smart. And he would I think be the if guy. He, he if he has a strong uh, preseason like he did last year, him and Michael Clemens on the interior last year was just a, a wreck against the you know, third and fourth quarter guards and, and centers in preseason. So he'd be the one that can push. Um, and, and the guy that I think he can push will start right there, the fourth best, in my opinion. Solomon Thomas. I think that's kind of the obvious one when you look at the D tackle room, which is quietly gotten a little bit better from last year, even though it was a strong unit last year. Solomon Thomas, though, he ends up in the questions rookie bucket. Um, you know, you can say all the things you want about him being a flag bearer and coming over and, and preaching Salah's message to the other players that haven't been around the the scheme and the system before trying to establish a culture. But Solomon Thomas to me is just, you know, not really doing much. And I think Tanzel Smart should be able to push him. But for right now, I have him in the questions rookie bucket. And his ceiling may be solid. If he could be a consistent tackler and, and like actually show up in the run game, I feel like for the third overall pick, he just hasn't really done it all from the defensive tackle position. So, you know, he's a high pedigree guy, but he hasn't really lived up to any expectations. So he's the last guy on the list for me. Yeah, agree with everything you said there. I, I think to, to go back to the Tanzel Smart conversation really quickly and the reason why he would be the guy that I would pick, but I think it's unlikely, is I think when we look at the rest of this team, and, and I think when we talk about the defensive ends, we're going to have this conversation. I see two guys that are currently listed as defensive ends that could, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, they could kick inside. 
whether it's because of an injury, whether it's because the Jets want to get these guys more on the field and want certain rotations. They have two candidates, I think, on the outside of this defensive line that could very, very easily transition into an interior role. And so because of that, there's where your added depth can come in, right? We can keep these guys on the roster and we can have guys that can flex inside if need be. And there are two guys that I think fit that bucket. And so that would be the thing that would stop me from seeing a Tanzel Smart make this roster because I've got four interior players making this team. And then I think there are two guys on the outside that could kick inside if need be. That's six guys that you have for that spot. We know the Jets like to rotate. And so having those kinds of numbers are, are, are really nice. So I, I, I like Tanzel Smart. I think he could make a case. But again, I think those, those outside guys that could kick inside would be the thing for me. But I agree everything with Solomon Thomas that you said, and I have him in the yellow questions box. Yeah, and last week when we talked about the offensive line, we talked about the versatility on the interior and how it's important because it's important to have depth, but a different story with the defensive line here. Like these guys actually get a lot of playing time. So when you're two, three, four deep at a certain position, it, it actually helps on the defensive mm-hmm. line. So Solomon Thomas could be upgraded, but at worst he's going to give you a consistent, you know, below average play, which obviously isn't great for the team, but you know what he is. Uh, moving up the, the list, we have two new guys, both from the same team. At least I would hope so, because the, the last guy we haven't talked about is is clearly the best guy in the room. No, really? Al- <laughs> what? Exactly. And that's Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson. Um, you could really put them in any order you want. I kind of have them as 2A, 2B. I don't really have a third guy. But if I had to lean one way or the other, I'd say we could expect to see a better season from Al Woods, but that's not to say Quentin Jefferson can't show up with five, maybe six sacks and surprise everybody. So how do you kind of decipher between the two? I know they have clearly different roles, but do you see them kind of as like two A, two B, or do you think there's a clear one better than the other? I have Al Woods in front of Quentin Jefferson right now Mm -hmm. for me. Um, It's close, right? You see, you use two A, two B. I'm good with that. I have no, no problem with that. Look, when we went into this offseason, one of the things that we asked the Jets to do um, as as fans of the team, right? One of the big questions was, okay, you've got Quinn and Williams on the inside. You've got a bunch of guys on the outside that can also create a ton of pressure. You've got Carl Lawson. You've got John Franklin Myers. You've got Jermaine Johnson. You've got Michael Clemens. You've got Bryce Huff. They added Will McDonald in the draft. Okay, you got a lot of guys on the outside. You got Q, who's going to wreak havoc and get pressure on the quarterback on the inside. What are you going to do to stop the run? That's really the big concern that we had about this front of this defense. Mm-hmm. And these two signings, I think, were, were in addition to be able to help shore that up. And so for me, I think Al Woods is going to be the guy that's starting alongside Quentin, uh, Quentin Williams pretty regularly. Um, and I think Al Woods is going to be that plug-and-play guy to, to sit alongside him and, and help in the defending of the run. So it was the big thing they needed to do. Did they make a splashy move in order to do it? No, but they went out and got two guys that they know are going to be familiar with their system that are great depth pieces. They don't have to be superstars. They've got the superstar at that spot. They've got one of the best players at the position in Quinn Williams. You just need to be truly a complimentary piece to Quinn and Williams, take up space, help in the run game. That's the role that the Jets are looking for alongside Quinn and Williams. They're going to let Q when he's out there. Q, just go after the quarterback. They need the guy next to Q to be able to help in stopping the run. And so that's what I think both of these guys were brought in for, to help in that in that role. And I think they will. And so I think Al Woods is probably going to be the guy that you see start in that capacity. And we'll see how... Again, it's so tough to really, and we have a depth chart here, and we're going to talk about it. It's so hard to really kind of put a depth chart together for this group because they're going to rotate. We know the way Robert Sala likes to have this defense rotate. It's my biggest criticism of him as a coach and his philosophy. I absolutely cannot stand it that because of this rotation, Quinn Williams is not on the field in key spots. I, I hate it. I'm sorry. There's not nothing you can do that's going to convince me that that's the right strategy. But that's the world we live in. 
And that's what they're going to do. And so in order to have that success, you've got to have some depth. You've got to be able to rotate through. And I think the addition of both Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods, who we believe are very close, I have them both in the solid bucket just for the record. Um, they're going to help of that interior rotation that I thought lacked at times last year. Yeah, I think you can look back to two off seasons ago when Fuller on Sufadu Kasi got that ten per ten million dollar per year deal from Jacksonville. And that was kind of our run stopper in the middle alongside Quinn and Williams. And they didn't really have it last year. Sheldon Rankins was a good piece, but everything you said about Al Woods, I, I agree. He's a good run stuffer. Yeah. But what makes me really excited about him is that he's 36 years old, ready to learn how to pin his ears back and go in this system. So if you could just add another tool to a toolbox, I think as a veteran, you pick that stuff up a little bit easier than a, you know, a 24, 25 year old. So if he can just pick it up real easy, he could actually be a threat. So when they come out on first down, you know, first and 10 on defense, whatever, you know, however many linebackers, if they're four, two, five or four, three base, I think Al Woods is going to be the guy next to Quinn and Williams. So yeah, I'd have him as a two. I have them both him and Jefferson as the solid bucket, but there's no one, no one touching number one. And that's an easy one. Quinn and Williams. Breaking news on the show, Quinn and Williams going into the franchise bucket for me on the show. Yeah, that's absolutely not a surprise. The Jets' newest $96 million man, highest contract in team history. I really thought he was going to push for $100 million. It would have been cool so just to say it. Um, but I think every interview I've watched since he's done that, it's like he's just been so like jolly is the word that I come up with. He's been laughing, you know, having fun. He's mic'd up everything about him he's like he's just the same cue so like i always believe that like money doesn't you know bring out the character just to, or it, it brings out the character it doesn't develop you know a new character so i think we're just going to see just smile and old cue franchise quinnon and that's really what it is and uh there's no other way to put it he's franchised for me his floor is great like if he does what he does last year obviously you you could just say he's building but like i don't see him taking a step back like he can get defensive player of the year, multiple defensive player of the year votes this year. He had one last year, kind of wild that he got one last year, but I don't know. I don't see it any other way, but franchise and, and a great floor for him. How do you see it? Best non Aaron Donald player at his position. I, I've yeah. been on the record with this in the past and I will continue to say it. He is the best player at this position, not named Aaron Donald has gotten better year over year after year. And I mentioned it a little bit ago when we were talking about the rotation on this defense and how I'm critical of it. But one of the cool things, one of the cool byproducts of the way that this rotation works is Quinton Williams plays a lot less snaps than the other guys at his position. And so you'll see a ton of tweets and a ton of stats and a ton of stuff get thrown around that show you the production that Quinton Williams is able to put together in comparison to the other players at his position with like, hundreds of hundreds of less snaps compared to those players. Yep. He is elite of the elite. He has graded everything in this spot. And the only thing you can say, the only thing that would stop you from talking about him in that elite tier is you could say, well, he's not on the field all that much. He doesn't play that upper echelon of snaps. It's not Quinn Williams' fault. When he is out there, he is the best player on this defense. I'm sorry. I love Sauce Gardner. I love DJ Reed. I love a lot of players on this defense the best player on the New York Jets defense when all things are equal and when everybody is healthy is Quinnen Williams. It's why he just got $96 million a year. It's why Joe Douglas, who hasn't done this very often in his tenure, gave out a contract to a player after their first contract expired. They had a second contract with the team. Hasn't happened. Quinnen Williams gets to be that guy. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And so he's a, he's a game wrecker. 
He's a havoc creator. He's the best player on this defense. He's the best player at the position, not named Aaron Donald. If everything goes according to plan and he stays healthy, he will be in the defensive player of the year conversation. I was just thinking, do you think it's a stretch to say he's the best defensive player in the division? But I can't even think of somebody that comes close. He's got to be, right? Best defensive player in the division. Let's do this very, very quickly. Um, New England, you would maybe make a case for Matt Judon. is probably yes. the only player that you're going to consider there. I think Hughes better. For the mm-hmm. Dolphins. Um, you have Ramsey, Phillips. Ramsey, who's now hurt. Phillips. I love Phillips. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we, we did not this, I did this conversation, and I think Phillips is in for a monster year. Uh, but I don't think he's Q. Um, Javon Holland's a really nice young player. I think he's on a path to being in that conversation uh, that I think people are sleeping on. Um, I don't think the Bills have anybody. No, it's Q. It's Q. It's, it's it, got to be, right? It's Q on first glance. I reserve the right to to change my mind after looking at the rosters again, but I can't think of anybody that immediately jumps to, to my mind when having this conversation. Just taking it one quick step forward because we're a little bit ahead of time here, including offense, non-quarterback, best player in the division. Excluding quarterback, non-quarterback, non-quarterback best player in the division. I think just Allen, Rogers, Quinnen. Like oh. if I'm including quarterbacks, I feel like it's almost that good. Maybe Stefan Diggs, but like, yeah, no, I mean, you, you, um, the two Miami wide receivers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I, I yes. think are, are strong candidates. Um, Tyreek Hill, he little, you said, you said, non- <laughs> you said non-quarterback. So for Buffalo, I think you're talking about Stefan Diggs, maybe, um, for the Patriots, there's not a single player on the Patriots. That I'm Sam Teets in the chat says I'd probably go Tyreek Hill over Q. I, yeah, I agree with that him one. or Waddle That's were the two names. One of the really wide receivers. Mind. Yep. Yeah, they, I just think they're just so important to what that team does. Um, it's close though. It's close. That's a fun conversation. Non-quarterback, who the best players in the division are. Um, but I would lean Tyreek Hill. I just think what he's able to do and that the. the what he that he just ties you into a pretzel as a defensive coordinator. He makes oh, yeah. it really difficult for you to be able to do your job effectively. So that's <clears throat> that would be my answer. Tyree Killer, Jalen Wall. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, you're talking three to five in the entire. Oh division. yeah, yeah, he's a top uh, he's overall. A t- yeah, so he's a top five non defense non quarterback player in the division. Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So four for four on the interior here. Uh, we're gonna flip oh. it over to the to the exterior yeah, here. This is where the, um, this is where the battle start. We're gonna yeah, we're definitely gonna have a couple of debates. Yeah. Um, I did want to uh, start with this, and I forgot. I did want to talk about the coaching. Obviously, it's still Aaron White Cotton. They did have a different assistant, Shaq Wilson. He does take over for Greg Scruggs, who came over from Cincinnati for one season, and now he went off to be a D line coach somewhere else in college. So just kind of use the Jets as a rebound to get another opportunity. I like that the Jets do that with coaches. Um, I also like that the Jets keep getting, you know, scouts and and position coaches getting looked at for, you know, better jobs elsewhere. I think that's indicative of the staff that Joe, uh, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala both have brought in since they've come over. So I thought that was important to just point out that little coaching bit. Starting at the bottom, red players, practice squad, cut candidates. Um, I have eight total edge rushers or defensive ends on my depth chart, um, two in the red bucket. Is that how you have it? Uh, you have eight total. Let me just do some math here. One, two, three, four, five. I have nine total because you've added a player on me. In oh, maybe I did. I did. I leave Bradley and I on your list. You did. You left him on the he's list. He's on here. the season ending IR. So I already he, graded him. So I, he's, yes. he's not a grade for me here. Okay. So we'll, he, he counts. We'll count we'll, season ending IR, Bradley uh, and I. As he's the, in the red bucket. It was the it, third it, bucket. Would not have mattered. Yeah. Um, so, he, so you take him out. I have eight. How many did you say are in the in the in the red two. bucket? I, I have two as well for not including uh, Bradley and I. Okay, so 
Obviously, Deslin Alexander, I'm going to guess the UDFA from this season from yes. Pittsburgh is one. And then the newest edge rusher that they signed from, I believe, the Colts on uh, in free agency, Ife Odenigbo. And when they first signed him, I, I was looking at his stats and just his PFF grades, just getting a baseline knowledge of who he was. And I really thought he could push for being somebody on this roster where? two seasons ago uh, where? when where? we didn't have the depth. We, we've exactly. spent 47 draft picks on this position. We've got depth on depth on depth. And listen, you always like to have depth. They're six deep at the spot. They have six yeah. guys, six guys that are all going to have roles on this <clears> team <throat> at this spot throughout the course of the year. Like, I'm sorry, that's enough depth. That they're just gonna they're gonna have six guys on the roster, and that's the way it's gonna work. Yeah, I, exactly. You said six, so that rounds us out with an even ten on the defensive line. I believe on last week's show we had ten offensive linemen as well. So nice kind of like that in the trenches, that balance though, yeah. in the. Yeah, I was yeah. just about to say balance in the trenches. We love it. Uh, we're gonna start obviously at the bottom. The net neutral is Will McDonald. Um, I have him obviously just as the number six in default. Um, I fixed the consensus rankings to look like the current depth chart that the team announced. So Will McDonald is the third string on his side. I don't think that's lasting. Um, probably by week like five or six, he'll have a couple like game changing sacks on third down and they'll move him up a little bit, get him some, some more playing time. And I think for him, obviously he's questions rookie. That's just kind of our rule. He goes into the yellow bucket, but I don't know, man. This guy, it just excites me. I've been like begging the Jets on socials to try to get Will McDonald's legacy white jersey for purchase so I could buy it because I just want to rock that 99. I feel like him coming off the edge is going to be special and he's going to turn heads in the preseason. I hope he plays tomorrow. I hope he's one of the guys they don't bench. I want to see him play tomorrow. So I'm really excited about him and he's probably going to be, he's not going to be six on this list next year. I'll just say that. <laughs> I don't think he's six right now. Um, okay. I, I have him, I have him fifth. Okay. I just put him there cause we haven't him. seen anything. So, and that's fine. It, yes. And that's fine. But if you ask me right now, who mm -hmm. I think has a bigger role this season, Will McDonald or Bryce Huff, I think it's Will McDonald. And so that's why I would okay. put Will in front yeah. of Bryce. Now here's where I take off the, the hat of, listen, if, the, if anything gets clipped from this show, okay. I want everyone to listen to me right now. I just called Quinn and Williams. The best player at his position, not named Aaron Donald. Okay. I'm willing to go into the deep end of the pool and have some really, really strong hot takes in a positive nature for the New York Jets. Okay. I, I just want to make it clear. I do wade into those waters because I'm going to be negative here for a second, but I want to make it clear. I'm positive a lot of the time you're on the show. If there's something that would stop me from buying into Will McDonald in 2023, it's we have a very recent example of the New York Jets using a first-round pick on a pass rusher and that pass rusher being developed very, very slowly throughout the course of their rookie campaign because of the sheer depth of the room. This is exact. I can, I can picture myself back in the summer of 2022 discussing the great role that Jermaine Johnson's going to have on this team. And while Jermaine Johnson has one of the standout plays of the season because he's the only person I think I've ever seen chase down Josh Allen when he's scrambling out of the pocket to tackle him for a loss, that's it. That's the highlight of the season for him, right? I mean, he 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 he. That was the peak, unfortunately, for a guy in his rookie campaign. And so that would be the thing that would tell me to pump the brakes a little bit because they've got other guys that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Carl Lawson here in a second. We're going to talk about John Franklin Myers. They've got Jermaine Johnson entering year two. All guys that I think are going to be above Will McDonald on the depth chart in this rotation. Now, if they truly 
think that putting Will in this wide nine, taking off the handcuffs and letting him go is the thing that's going to unlock something for him. And he's going to be just an absolute stud. They've got to give him those opportunities. And I think if he does get those opportunities and he is the player that they think he is, he's going to force their hand. I'm just very, very skeptical because we just did this with Jermaine. And so that would be the concern that I would have. Yeah, I think it's a valid concern. Um, when it comes to the Bryce Huff role, I feel like my hope is that Bryce Huff still occupies that role. Third and, down, and passing down, go get yes, go get him, Bryce. That's exactly. the role because he does third, it so well. Third and second plus, or if it's your rotation, second and seven plus, like just get in there and passing, likely passing situations. But when I look at Will McDonald, obviously he's still got to develop his, his strength and his power. And Salas mainly talked about his freakish bend. But I just think of him getting all the cleanup reps that guys like Vinny Curry got last year mm-hmm. and just odd and end defensive ends that they rotated in. I just hope that they funnel all of that to Will McDonald. So just looking back at last year's three defensive ends, Michael Clemens, uh, Bryce Huff, and Jermaine Johnson. Michael Clemens played 26% of the snaps, Jermaine Johnson 28, and Bryce Huff 16. Do you think – Will McDonald land somewhere in the middle of that 16 to 26, or do you think he can push to get 28, 30% of the snaps as a rookie? Well, I'd love to see him there. I'd love to see him in that spot the same way that Jermaine is, but it's going to be tough. It's, yeah. it's just going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to see the way this, this, this plans out. And again, they're going to try, they're going to try to rotate the guys in. It's what they do, right? They're going to try to make it as even as possible. But I wonder if just because they're so, you could tell me right now, that Carl Lawson, JFM, Jermaine Johnson, and Michael Clemens are the top four pass rushers on this team this year. And they, just those four, that rotation monopolizes a lot of the snaps. Mm-hmm. That's a rotation. Those four guys is a rotation, rotating those four guys between those two spots. So it's just, it, it's not it's not a criticism of the approach. It's not a criticism of the coaching staff. But you, when you have so many guys, and the difference here is they clearly just see a role for Bryce. I'm of the I'm of the belief that I'd like to see Bryce's role expand. I just don't know what it can expand into with the way that right. this is set up. So they have a role for Bryce. Bryce is very good at it. They're going to keep him in that role. It's like, I'll use the baseball analogy. It's like you got a guy out in the bullpen that's your seventh inning guy, and he throws 102, and he's got a really nice changeup or splitter, and you're like, hmm, that guy might be our closer, but you got a pretty good closer. So you're like, I don't want to mess with this right now. I'm going to keep this guy in the seventh inning role, and he's just going to throw heat, and he's just going to confuse people. That's how I feel Bryce Huff, Bryce Huff is for this team. He's the guy that just, he's got a role. He fits that role. He's going to do it really well. And because there are five guys in front of him on the depth chart that I think the team views more in the starter um, context, it's just going to be hard for Bryce to expand. And I think Will, I think at least in year one, is going to kind of fall victim to that as well. Yeah. With all that being said about Bryce Huff, is he the one that you have as number five on your list? I have a number six because of the role. And this is the, okay, biggest, you debate that you, this okay. is the biggest debate you and I had in the post show last week. I have him in the yellow questions bucket. It's not his fault, but he's in that bucket because it's a limited role. They've just added to the room with Will McDonald. And I don't know if there's any path for him to expand out of that role. Now you came back to me with the argument. I don't want to steal your thunder and make the argument for you, but your big thing for me was, He's really good at that role, so he should be put in the solid bucket. And I could understand that argument, but because they've added a player and there's so many questions, I just don't know if I can get there. So I went one step further. I put Bryce Huff in the good to great bucket because of what he does in his role. 
And I'll get into this. I just I was willing to split the difference with you and put him in the green solid. And maybe that's what we end up doing. Now you've gone too far. You've gone. Maybe that's fine. But there's no way I look at this roster like we we talked about off air after the show. The entire 53 rankings, not the prediction, but the rankings of the players. And it's a big drop off to me after about 12. To me, Bryce Huff is in that top 12. And maybe that is wearing a bit of green tinted glasses. That's ridiculous. But I don't know. For what he does in his role, he is so special. Obviously, they don't think he's enough to be a three down player and defend the run as, as well as I thought he could coming out of Memphis and in his first year with the team. But I don't know, man. He's he's on the good side. He's not great, but he's good in what he does. And I think that that was better than solid. So I hope all that comes down to we meet somewhere in the middle at solid. But I'm I fine. With I that. had to I have to give Bryce Huff his flowers that he is he's probably top three in this defensive line. And he just has such a small role. This dude was playing nine snaps at one point this last season. Three healthy scratches for Vinny Curry coming off a heart injury and surgery, which is just scary for anybody, let alone an older player. Nine snaps, 15 snaps, 21 snaps. Like, it's just silly. His last three games, 6, 7, 12, just no. That's not – you need to get Bryce Huff in the, the 18 snaps to 25 snaps per game and maybe let's see. But I think the Jets in this new offense with potential leads, that could happen. So could. everything could be in flux and could. we could see Bryce Huff getting in, everybody getting an expanded role on the defense because they're just going to be out there more or less, but in better situations for this defensive line. I just, I have a tough time personally. You did it and that's fine. You made a great case. I have a tough time personally giving somebody the good, great and above tier if you if you if you were a role player, doesn't have to be entirely your fault. It's not Bryce Huff's fault that he's a role sure. player. At least that's what we think. We think if he had an expanded role, he'd be awesome. I just can't get there if you are a role player and you have a very specific skill set that you're using right now, which is him those third, second, and long designated pass rush situations where they're just letting him wreak havoc. So I have him six. I have Will McDonald five, and now I guess we can go from there to get to the final uh, four guys on our list. Yeah, I'll let you go with four because now that the list is not, you know, even at all, I think uh, we'll be a little choppy the rest of the way up. So number four for you, who is that? Michael Clemens. Um, Michael Clemens, a what, what a late round, late day three draft pick for the New York Jets a year ago was was a training camp darling last year. Uh, played very well in the in the limited snaps that he did get in 2022, um, and I think is is geared up for a big role. I think they have big plans for him this year. Um, I think he's going to slot in here as, again, part of that top half rotation, at least at the beginning. And, and this is where Will McDonald's kind of sitting around going, hmm, I got to beat these guys. This is tough, and it's going to make them better. I think the cream's going to rise to the to the crop there uh, at the, or the top in, in for these guys at this position, right? Um, so for Michael Clemens, it's one of those things where this is a guy that made the most of, of, his, of his activity in 2022. And when I look at where he sits in this depth chart for this season, for me, I think he's a little bit behind Jermaine because I think Jermaine is set for a big role in 2023. Uh, and for Michael Clemens, he's going to slot in right behind um, Jermaine and the other two guys that we're going to talk about here in a second, which are Carl Lawson and John Franklin Meyer. So for me, I have Michael Clemens at number four. And you have that smirk on your face, which makes me think you're going to tell me that Michael Clemens, number three on the list for you, good to great or franchise, you're going to have some, some something to, to hit me with. No, no, I'm smirking because I agreed with everything you said. And I was... I just 
switch the settings on my mouse pad so now a two finger yeah, swipe yeah backs see you later me out and it's You're just gone. awful like getting tra- yeah. get, trying to figure out this new technology but i agree with everything you said michael clemens is that guy i had him as five so i'm not going to push back where you have him yes he's the fan favorite i mean you show up to camp no shirt Barbed wire bat. You're, I mean, you're it. You're our guy. You. The black you're our guy. Force you're, ones. Like, you're just our guy at that point. It, you you spell Michael with the E first. Right. You're just it. You just, we love you. Like you, the whole character, everything. I can't wait to see him on hard knocks one jets drive, but I mean, yeah, it's tough. I think when I first did this, I was a little, you know, over my skis and just had the green tinted glasses on with the defense specifically. And I put him in solid and that was because of his special teams contributions. He had the block against green bay that led to the touchdown um and then i just i'm like okay yes but a special teams role for him i don't know if that's viable moving forward so maybe he doesn't play special teams as much but if he does play special teams i think that's his ceiling as a solid player because he can wreak havoc against like backup tight ends and wide receiver five and sixes on on special teams if that's what they want him to do but from a defensive perspective specifically that was hard to say 25% 25% of the snap seems about right for him moving into year two. Maybe they, they do want to test him more against the run. I think he can do that, but I don't know. Something about him pass rushing his two and a half sacks, 13 pressures last year, three tackles for loss. I don't know. I felt pretty good about what he did as a pass rusher. So I'm okay with him being the fourth guy and he'll probably get the opportunities before the young guys like McDonald and, and maybe even Huff. So I still have him in the yellow bucket. He's a second-year yes. player with limited snaps, and that's that's the thing that that's not. There's a lot of potential there. The ceiling's really high, but I think it's he's in a rotation. He's going to get probably a little bit more workload this year. What does he do with it? And because I have those questions, he gets the yellow the yellow marker, just like Jermaine Johnson gets the yellow marker for me, exactly. the guy that I have third on this list. Because it's it's really the same thing. The difference is where Jermaine Johnson was drafted and where Michael Clemens was drafted. That's the difference between these two guys. And I think Jermaine Johnson, I think, is a better overall well-rounded player at the position and that's why i have him uh, uh up on the depth chart and that's why i think he's gonna have a, a bigger role i think you looked at the, the rookie season for both jermaine and michael but specifically for jermaine as a acclimation period understanding the system understanding what the jets wanted from him and now this year is the let loose be the first guy up in this rotation i think off the bench and you're gonna be the guy um but i still got questions so he gets the yellow tag i have him as i have him as the third defense He's D DN three for me, but he still has questions. Yeah. And just like Michael Clemens for me, I started him as the solid bucket. And perhaps that was just because of the recency bias of him having one of the best camps on the entire team. You know, he's just really showing it off the edge against whoever they put out a tackle Mackay Becton, Billy Turner. I feel like it's everybody, but Max Mitchell, which is a good thing. So uh, I don't know. Jermaine Johnson to me, he stayed in solid, um, but his ceiling is, is it could be good to great. Like yeah. we said, it, this flux of, of snaps that's completely up in the air. I know they say 30 to 35 is like where they like to limit players. But if he even gets to that 30 to 35 threshold as a full-time player, he can be special. I think the, the weight that he put on his ability to already set the edge against the run, his pass uh, rush probably needs to come along a little bit more, but it seems like it has. Obviously, he made more splash plays than Michael Clemens, so for that reason, I put him in solid. But everything is kind of a sliding scale with these buckets so that we didn't end up with 15 different buckets, trying to slim it down to five. The rookie's question bucket is going to be so large with 
the amount of different players that are going to be categorized in there. Oh, so you don't you put, worry. I got a whole position group for that bucket. Don't you worry. Exactly. Just so you, you can wait, folks. Couple you can weeks. throw. Yeah, couple I was going to say, you could, you could throw a ton of names into that questions rookie bucket with a ton of different outcomes. But for me, I think Jermaine Johnson was just a smidge ahead of that. So I'm going to go ahead and put him solid. And maybe that is just because he is having a nice camp year too. But I think he can really build off it. And, and to me, he was my number four guy. So I had him as solid moving on up. Um, number three for me, obviously then was Bryce Huff because I had him in good to great. Yeah. So who is your number three then? Uh, so I have Michael Clemens four, Jermaine Johnson three is how I see it. Oh, okay. That's how we did it. Okay. Yep. So then we're on number two, then we're on believe, number two and number one. I believe we have the same, but I believe we have them in a different order. No, and don't tell where... me. Don't tell me you have, I'm, I'm going to be upset with you. I have a guy with a three-letter acronym as his name, as the number one defensive end number on one this guy? team. Yes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it with the same argument I used last week with Dwayne Brown and the offensive line. Dwayne Brown is the second best offensive line, and I think we've kind of said it's arguable and most likely right now. John Franklin Myers to me is the second best defensive lineman on this team, and Bryce Huff is probably the closest third to Carl Lawson as it can get. But I have John Franklin Myers as the best, and then Carl Lawson as number two. Can I so, share a take? Can I share a take with you here on the show? You can absolutely share a take. I think I agree with you. Yes. I think I agree with you. Yes. I, I and the re- the reason why I agree is because I just I'm I'm still a little skeptical of what the new ceiling is and floor is for Carl Lawson coming off the injury. I don't know if we got a really good gauge of it last year of what his ceiling and floor is. And so because of that, because I still have some questions, listen, I thought it would have been absolute anarchy if I put Carl Lawson's in the question bucket, and he's too good of a player to have in that bucket. But because I have, I think, a couple more questions for Carl Lawson than I do JFM. And JFM was a guy that I was campaigning to kick inside at points last year because I thought it would be a better sure. use of all the talent they had to get more guys on the field. I think JFM might be the best the best non-Quinn Williams player along this defensive line. I, now, by the time the season's over, I think Jermaine Johnson's going to have a say. I think Will McDonald's going to have a say. I think Carl Lawson's going to have a say. Bryce right Huff, now, yep. though, I think he's got it by a smidge. I think it's a I think it's a one A one B situation here for John Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson. Yeah, I think to me it came down to consistency and availability. And I know Carl Lawson played seventeen games last year, coming off the Achilles when he probably should have missed more than half of the season as it was. But I just yeah, I keep going back to it. And John Franklin Myers to me. I, it's, I don't want to spoil our, our rankings, but he's almost he's top 10 for me. Like this guy, we look at this roster, he is fringe top 10 for most people. I think he's comfortably in my top 10. I believe I have him at number eight. Um, so it's just hard to argue that he's not the second best. But I think, yes, Carl Lawson, Will McDonald, Bryce Huff, all names you could throw into the ring of this is potentially edge number two behind or defensive line number two behind Quinn and Williams. And I hope John Franklin Myers gets every opportunity. I, I know we want the young guys to step up and get roles, but guys like John Franklin Myers don't come along every, every year. So we need to take advantage of him while he's here. Probably one of the best sneaky signings that Joe Douglas has done on the waiver wire. I know uh, Braxton Berrios was another waiver wire guy. So John Franklin Myers was a steal in my opinion from the, the Los Angeles Rams. I I um I agree. I think that this this is the strength of this team. Carl Austin and JFM up front with the other guys that we mentioned that we believe have super high upsides behind them. So 
I, I love this group. Uh, again, I think it's the strength of this defense, and we'll see because they have a couple of guys in the you know in, in the depths in Jermaine mm-hmm. Johnson, Michael Cummins, and Will McDonald. I think somebody's going to have the opportunity to emerge and be a stud. Who's it going to be? That's the question. Yeah. So officially, what bucket did you end up with, Franco Myers? Solid or good to great? They're both solid, and we okay. can't. I don't think there's any good to great players currently. I put I put Franco Myers in the good to great. Of course good, you did. You give it. You give out those it. grades like they're Halloween just, candy. Like the, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the good to great tag, I definitely did. I was a bit more sparing with the the franchise, like you said. I think we both ended with five, but I think I ended with five or six goods as well. So. That's still only 11 players on a 53-man roster. I have eight combined in those two buckets. Exactly. So that's tough. To say that your ninth best player is solid is like, yeah, our roster is really good. But, like, there's still, you know, some questions. And I think it's really really interesting when we get down to the final rankings. Um, Now that we've gotten through all of the, the, the names, at least, let's go through a couple different rotations my first rotation, my first preference on rotation would be Franklin Myers and Lawson on the ends, Quinn and Williams and Al Woods in the middle. Are you in agreement with that? I, 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 I understand the thought process. Here's my thinking. You've got three players in Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson, and Will McDonald that are pretty overall inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Do you necessarily split up the veteran leadership of Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and stagger it where it's Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson, and then it's John Franklin Myers and Will McDonald, or John Franklin Myers and Michael Clemens. Do you split it that way so that defenses aren't like, oh, just just wait till we get the second team in there and they're inexperienced and then we can feast, right? You, do you maybe split it up that way? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. That, that's true because if I using my line, if you do the second one of Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald on the ends, yes, you're very, I guess, green, so to it's speak, wrong. on you're, the you're edges. Very wrong. So. And then you have Quentin Jefferson in the middle and Solomon Thomas. And yeah, that's not great. But when you're looking for those double team opportunities to free up the one-on-one opportunities, I agree. I think that's pretty solid. Um, People talk about the NASCAR package. And I think the Jets have the ability to use that. I don't know how often they did last year, which is four defensive ends all across the line. They're basically defensive ends swapping in for tackles just to get all your speed. NASCAR, obviously speed. So I'm looking at... Potentially Jermaine Johnson, Quentin, Je- uh, no, Quentin Jefferson, you can't. Michael Clemens, excuse me, JFM, and like a Will McDonald or you're, a Bryce you're, Huff. You're two and candidates, I think that's really solid. Your two candidates to move inside, I think, are John Franklin Myers and Michael Clemens. I think those are the two easiest guys to kick inside if you were going to yes. do something like that. Because I think they could potentially play the traditional role of an interior player if need be. And so you could do something <clears> like that if you really wanted to. Um so those would be, the, I mentioned earlier that there were two guys that I thought were candidates to kick inside if need be because of injury. And it's those two guys. It's JFM and it's Michael Clemens. Yeah. And, and before I get to my last question here, Rusty there's no sleep in here. Says, there's no sleep on Huff. We're wide no, awake. We're not, don't you worry. Yeah. Just, just questionable, I guess. Some. Well, some I just, he's got a very Huff. specific role and I don't yeah. see the way out of the role. That's it. That's the only, that's all I said. That's all I said. I, I, I agree. I agree. All right. So the Jets come out Monday night football first third down against the bills say it's third and eight so a passing situation sure who would be your ideal for let's just say everybody's healthy you know whatever they just came off a tv timeout whatever happened everybody on the defensive line is healthy yeah. that third down defensive line who do you want we've got uh we need carl lawson okay we need quinn and williams mm-hmm. we need al woods and we need jermaine johnson jermaine johnson was drafted specifically literally specifically 
to be the Josh Allen neutralizer on those third nates where coverage absolutely locks it down and Josh yeah. Allen's trying to scramble and make a play. Jermaine Johnson, that's your role. Go get that guy. Go get him. And so for yeah. me, I think Jermaine Johnson's got to be on that on that unit. Yeah, so I think um, 75% of the way there. I'd flip JFM with Al Woods. Just get a little bit more speed, a little bit okay, more. Okay, I know, like that. Supporting. I can appreciate but, that. But that's, you know, it's just amazing because offense, you can't do this. You play the game and you have the depth pieces, but they're set in stone. You're five across. Defense, you get to get to just move them all around and, and just play wherever you want. And Bryce Huff being that special guy on third down, I would probably put him over Carl Lawson as my next sub out in that third down situation. So I have Huff and Jermaine, and then I have JFM and Quinnen. I mean, that's just lethal. Who who the hell are you going to you know put two bodies on? And I don't think any of them are going to win one-on-one against them. Jermaine Johnson's probably the one that you're like, okay, maybe, you know, he's the least proven. So we'll one-on-one this guy, but no, I I just, I don't see it. So this defensive line is really going to be special. And when we get into the final rankings, I think it'll reflect with how many DL position players are way up at the top. Yep. We can, we can spoil it. Quinnen's the top three guy. I, I pulled people on three guy. I, I pulled people on Twitter to see who their, uh, top five was. And most people don't don't give it in an order, but everybody had Quinn in. Uh, obviously, Rogers, you know, Sauce. I think Garrett was another guy. AVT. Those are kind of your consensus top five. But Quinn in to me is you know top two, top three. So top it two. just trickles down. So top two. It's just me. it's really exciting. I think the expectations are you know very high for this unit, and I think that they can exceed them. I just they're going to be the ones that keep us going. Glenn and I talked about it all last year cornerbacks help the defensive t- uh, ends and the defensive tackles and vice versa. Quinn and Williams reached out to DJ Reed when he got the contract and he was like, Hey man, it's because of you, like you guys doing your thing back there. Like this is why I got paid. So you just love to see that like camaraderie between the back end and the front end. And, and this is what we waited two and a half seasons for with Rob Sala. He said, just give it time. The defensive line is my baby. I'm going to take it over. I'm going to make it great. And Hey, he, he, he's here. And we're now talking about trading off pieces where I don't think so, but people are out there saying it. And after two years of begging for defensive ends, I was like, no, just keep everybody be selfish. I don't care. Turn down high uh, trade uh, value for Bryce Huff. If you think he has a role that is going to win you football games this season. So I'm all for it. How do you feel about any trades? It's, it's certainly an advantage advantageous situation that the Jets find themselves in with all of this depth. If it's me, I'm not touching this group. This group is what it is. It's successful because of the way they like to operate it with the rotation and having all these guys that they believe in that can be game wreckers um, as part of this group, I think, are, are they're, they're too valuable in this win-now window uh, to move on from. So I, I wouldn't even consider entertaining the idea of a trade. Yeah, absolutely agree. Just don't ruin don't don't fix it or you know whatever the saying is if it ain't if it broke, ain't broke don't, don't fix it, fix it. i Thank would like you. to offer you a nice trade here okay cool so i think what i don't want to do the show for you but i think the next thing you were going to take us to was the full screen of the consensus roster buckets yes because I, I have it open here because i was looking at it i am willing to give you a solid for bryce huff okay you so you can put bryce huff in the solid bucket but that okay. means you gotta you gotta give me both a question for Jermaine Johnson and a solid for JFM. That's the, that's what I'm offering to you. That is what I'm offering to you. Take it or leave it. So I have to come down on Huff and JFM and you still right, get I'm, to keep. I'm, I'm coming up on oh, Huff. Oh, you come. 
you, I'm coming you, okay. up on Huff. I guess we're meeting in the middle on Huff, and you're coming up a little bit. I'm, well, no, I'm, I'm going I'm, down on Johnson, too. Right, but I'm not, oh, I'm man, not moving anywhere on me. JFM. You're I'm getting me now. I mean, okay. this is the offer. This is the offer. All right. I mean, listen, I think, I've been very, very— I think it's worth it. We, if you see down there on offense, Dwayne Brown is in the blue. Category. Right. I think, I feel like that was and a big concession for me. I think I'm owed one here. We're, we're still, yeah, we're still paying back. So what we're doing is Jermaine Johnson in the yellow and John Franklin in the solid. Right. Yeah. That's I think I'm, I'm All okay right. with this. Again, yeah, this I think doesn't we, look the way mine looks because Bryce Huff, you have a green for, and I don't have a green. So I'm okay with this. I think we can lock this in. This is a bit fit, more fair. If we're, I'd also you know, like to make a motion. Yeah. What's up? I would like to move Jason Brownlee to the questions bucket. Okay. Yes. I think when we did the, the wide receiver discussion, oh, it was obviously yeah. earlier in the season. And, and we, I had Denzel we, Mims fever. So that was kind of the thing that got in the way there. Okay? Yes, that's true. Yeah. I didn't have Denzel. I had Denzel in the red and I thought they were just going to carry five receivers, but no, this is kind of a, a, a guy that you can't. You just can't. You can't keep him off the roster. I think he he's makes made the 53. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to move him up anymore. He's a net neutral now. Jason Brownlee in the yellow bucket. The first UDFA, I believe, to get a non-red tag, which is really exciting because uh, Glenn put out his 53-man prediction just a couple hours ago on JetNation.com. You can go check that out. And I believe Jason Brownlee was one of the few UDFAs making his roster. I think he had a couple more um, defensively. But Jason Brownlee, I mean, that one-handed catch, thankfully he's not hurt with the shoulder and we should see him tomorrow. But, yeah, I agree. This is this is pretty good. Um, uh, listen, I think we end on a good note here. We're not arguing. There's We're yeah. in agreement. We can, I think we just – now, because next week, what are we – we're doing linebackers next week? I think we're doing uh, all back seven just so Great. we can get I'm it all in. I'm going to tell yeah. you, we're going to have – folks, get, clo- get close to wherever you're listening to this, your laptop, your phone, however you're listening to this this podcast. Next week, there's going to be a lot of yelling. There's going to be a lot of arguments because I'm here to tell you there is one player that I know for a fact the case is going to be made that he deserves to be in the good, great bucket, and I am not going to stand for it. It's not going to happen on my watch. So there's one player in particular. I have an entire room. There's one entire position group. There's one entire room that is all question marks. I'm not going to tell you who it is. There's an entire position group that we are going to talk about next week that I have all yellow tags for. Yeah, we're definitely going to fight next week because the player that I was thinking of, as you were saying it, was not the player that it ended up being when I finally heard the whole thing. And I was ready to go to war for the first guy, but I was really ready to go to war for this guy. So he's getting in the good, great bucket. He's a top 10 player on this goddamn team. There's no way about it. He's a top 100 player in the NFL. No, he was Chris. a top 100. No, he was a top 100. Voted player. on by your players, bro. They're, Number 46. What? I'm here to tell you the players are stupid. Spoiler alert. Players aren't stupid. Players are stupid if they vote. That is, Where was that he on this st- list? 46. 40. No. Six six spots away from Quinnen Williams. It's a legacy vote. It's just people who don't want. Oh, here it is. There, and that you know what? This is a legacy. It, it's That's just, what they it's said a, about his Pro Bowl. On, <sighs> yeah, it, that was a legacy award too. They just gave it to him. It was like a, a lifetime achievement award for a guy who was brutal as position. 
What I will say, though, is when they talked about it, when Saul went up to the press conference and talked about it, he was not in the discussion for Pro Bowl until it got down to the coaches and player vote, which is like, I guess, like 50 percent of the vote. The fan vote is whatever percent and then the other percent and then the the coaches and players is 50 percent. And that is what put him in the Pro Bowl. So with that, we're going to end the show. It's a mystery. If you haven't figured it out already, you can Google all the accolades that this man did. Um, it's going to be a fun one. I'm really excited, uh, for Chris, you can follow him on Twitter or X at Chris Huber underscore. <laughs> you can follow me on X at D Terraman. You can follow jet nation on all social media platforms at jet nation. We really appreciate everybody's viewership, everybody's chat, uh, interaction. We we were going to do a mail, uh, bag style sometime before now in the end of the season or beginning of the season, end of the season, beginning of the season. Hopefully we can have all three of us back with Glenn. We can all do like a little round table mailbag style. Uh, I know there's some interest in that. So Chris, what do you got working on on TDN daily? I see some uh, prospects on your feed. We are deep in the prospect weeds right now. We are going through all the quarterbacks for 2020, uh, 2024 class. And I already have um, a hot take of who, of who QB one is. And so I'm not going to spoil it here. But I will say the first two episodes of my prospect series, we talked about uh, USC quarterback Caleb Williams and we talked about UNC quarterback Drake May. And I highly recommend if you're into this kind of stuff and you like hearing about prospects, uh, you get my raw thoughts from sitting down. I tell you what games I've watched. I give you all of my thoughts on what I think about these players. And this is just going into the season. This is not like a full. This is the projection, I think, for, for this player. It's how I view them right now with an entire season to go uh, before they enter the draft cycle. And so if you like that kind of stuff, we've done four so far. I've got two more uh, to go this week, more than likely. Um, so looking forward to that. So if you like that kind of stuff, we, we're doing that over on the TD and Daily Podcast. I think a lot of people can appreciate that because, like you said, you're talking about him now. You're not necessarily projecting him to the next level. You're just talking about what you've already seen him do. And sure, everybody loves to get into the projections of the summer and, oh, he's QB1. He's going to be a this or that. A top oh, trust five me. Pick, I, but... I, I say who my QB1 is right now, but I yeah. I couch it in the in the sense that this can change. There's an entire season for this yep. to change. It's my evaluation of the player right now as they've played last season. Exactly. And, and that's the best part. I have them stockpile waiting for the weekend. So when I'm off work, I can just cram all your TDN dailies in all the yeah. draft dudes, all the, the college football content that I've been consuming because we're there tomorrow. We start a game. It's kind of crazy. Um, we're not going to get out of here without giving a couple predictions tomorrow. The game's at 8 p.m. against the Browns. No starters. Uh, I believe the starters on offensive line that are definitely not playing are AVT McGovern and Lake and Tomlinson. Everybody else should be dressed at the offensive tackle position, including Mekhi Becton. Um, just my first prediction is Mekhi Becton is going to be mauling guys. I understand it's probably going to be their second string so. defensive ends, but I really think he he has that mindset. He said he's going to go out like it's a, a regular season game, not a preseason game for his 20 I sure hope snaps. so. And I want to see a lit up Mekhi Becton. So that's my softball prediction number one what do you got for prediction here yeah i mean i'll, I'll tell you I, I think we are watching a center battle in progress but not between the people that we thought it was going to be between uh it appears yep. as though it's it's uh, mcgovern and schweitzer battling it out to be the center i think schweitzer's getting the start tomorrow um in in the the hall of fame game so that's the thing i'm keeping an eye on i'm keeping an eye on the mckay beck and stuff and look i don't want to be this guy but you can't tear me away, okay? I like the kid coming out of college. He's still a member of the team. He's the starting quarterback tomorrow. 
you know, I'm going to be paying attention to Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, because I'm here to tell you if he looks better, if he looks good, even though it'll be against twos and threes, you, I can see the think pieces, all oh, the impact that Aaron Rodgers has already had on Zach. Well, I yep. can see the think pieces already. And part of me just wants him to play well, just so I can read the foolishness of all of it. And I'm still a Zach believer. I still, I still think Zach with a couple more years of just sitting here, not mm-hmm. having any pressure can work on a lot of things. And I think he can develop into something. So I'll be intrigued to see what that looks like tomorrow as well, but Hey, it's, a, it'll be fun. It's, it'll be nice to watch some football, even though it'll be, it'll probably look nothing like the team that we see week one, Monday night against the bills. It is real football. It moves us one step closer to that starting. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Yesterday in uh, Aaron Rodgers press conference, he said that he wants to put on the headset and call in a couple plays. Let's I assume do it. that I assume that would be with Zach Wilson. So please just give me all the, the beat reporters stories about how oh, it's going to be great. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> in the headset is just oh my God. exactly if, what Zach if, Wilson needed. If, right. If they cut to a sideline shot and I know we got to get out of here, but if they cut to a sideline shot of Aaron Rodgers with the play sheet and he calls a play and then on the next play, like Zach, just throws like a dime down the field or it's a big play for a touchdown. The New York media is going to have content for six months just on yep. that one play. Just one yep. play. That's six months worth of content. That'll be the HBO Hard Knocks content that Chris will only see on X because he I got it. Okay. The show. I, you see, you're, you're bringing me that. You're, we're making left turn after left turn after left turn here. I saw the trailer for Hard Knocks, the little teaser trailer on, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. I was very underwhelmed. Now, it's not, you're not coming for me because I'm not going to watch your show anyway. But I watched it and I was like, if I wasn't a Jets fan, I don't think I'd watch this. You know what? I'll I'll, I'll di- dive into this little hot take for 30 seconds. I think one Jets drive is going to be better. Oh, I absolutely think one Jets drive take. is going to be better. I Not because it's the team, but I just, I think that the agreement that they have with HBO is like, hey, if there's something like really good at practice that we're all like huddled around for and our mics both pick it up. Jet Nation, uh, one just drive is going to get the the priority, I think. So I'm really excited, but yeah, I think uh, the the trailer could have been a little bit spicier. But Sauce and, and Garrett Wilson, take the headlines off Aaron Rodgers, please, because I feel like the less narrative about Aaron Rodgers I see is probably better. Just let this guy live and play quarterback and and lead us to some wins. So we're going to get out of here on that note. Uh, Jets are going to get five sacks in the second half because Michael Clemens is going to be a dog. And uh, I'm really excited. Thank you again for everybody that tuned in. And next week, we're covering the back seven linebackers, corners, and safeties, rounding out our group. And then the week after, we'll be putting together our final 53-man rankings. So going to be exciting. We're in the month of football now. I don't think uh, one more week, and there's no Sundays without football for the next six months. So excited. Beautiful thing. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's end on that one. Everybody have a great night. Let's go Jets.